Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. First thing I want to talk about were drug injection centres. And would you have an objection to a drug injection centre being built in your area? Mobile injection centres could be could get the ball rolling on a much-needed service while addressing local concerns about a planned permanent site. This is according to a specialist. And there comes in its continued delays to the country's first medically supervised injection centre, which is due to be set up at Merchants Quay or in the Merchants Quay area in Dublin. Uh, legislation allowing for centres in Ireland was passed several years ago and planning permission for the Dublin site was granted back in December 2019. However, locals are concerned that it could lead to an increase in drug use in the area and the nearby St. Auden's National School has lodged a <coughs> legal challenge to the plan- planning permission. Uh, Tina McVeigh, a People for Profit councillor in Dublin 8, says local concerns about Merchants Key site are based on an already high level of drug use in the area. And she said people are uh, acutely aware there is a need for services and quite a lot of services have located there. The concern most people have is that it's going to attract uh, in much more drug use and much more drug dealing. She said the current situation is a difficult conundrum as she does, she does support supervised injection centres and acknowledges the need for them. Uh, However, she said locals feel that such services have not been evenly distributed across the city. Now, I'm going to speak to Dr. Gareth McGovern in a few minutes, a GP specialising in substance abuse at the the Priority Medical Clinic, who believes supervised injection centres are badly needed. But before I do, I want to get your opinion on how you feel about it. I mean, the government has spoken out before about the need for injection centres, with Simon Harris stating that if we are serious about tackling the drug addiction problem in Ireland, we must establish a drug drug injection centre. Now, there is no question that we need to tackle Ireland's drug epidemic. That's not even a question or a debate. But many believe that supervised drug injection centres aren't the answer. They believe by opening one up, you are enabling drug use. Whereas others believe by opening one up, you enable safe drug use. However... I want to know what you think. Uh, would you have an objection to a drug injection centre in your locality? I'm not talking about inside your house or anything like that, but in your locality. So let me know what you think. The number is 87 I'm sure you can see the positives and I'm sure you can see the negatives. So would you object to it in your locality? Let me know. Let's take a little vote on it and let me know what you think, OK? Uh, the number is 87 Let me first of all go to Dr. Gareth McGovern, who is a GP and specialising in substance abuse. Uh, good afternoon to you, Gareth. Afternoon, all. Now, I read your piece in the journal and you started it off about a story that about three years ago, similar to myself, actually, I saw a very similar situation to you. You were parking your car, um, you know, in town on the way to a clinic near Christ Church in Dublin 8. And as you reversed, you spotted the heads of three people in the rearview mirror. And obviously yep. they were trying to find, uh, you know, a vein and they were injecting themselves. I saw a very similar situation in Fleet Street Car Park many years ago when I was with my kids. And it's not nice to see. We all, we all get that. And you, I suppose you thought to yourself, there's a, there's a better answer to this. Yeah. I mean, and the injection centres, what do you make firstly of the objections to them? And, and let's talk about the evidence around them. Well, there's two types of objections, uh, Niall. There's... Um there's objections to the centres as an entity, you know, as a phenomenon itself. Like, in other words, not where it's located. Like, there are some people that just don't believe that that is the answer. I mean, none of this is meant to be the answer to the drug problem. We'll get on to that in a few minutes. But this particular issue is about the location of the injecting centre. So the, the I think the sort of horses bolted uh, in terms of the first issue, which is the government have enshrined this in law now that it will happen. 
the where is now where there's a tussle. And um, I, I can understand the objections of the residents and the businesses around Merchants Key, but they can't honestly say that the current situation is uh, is is pretty. I mean, if you walk around that area, I mean, you 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 mentioned about the the article and and the experiences, and you've experienced this yourself about people injecting. Um, but if you uh, if you go around Dublin City and you see the strong kind of uh, paraphernalia around the place, that's happening. The drug use is happening. The dealing is happening. So we're trying to get a situation where. We get this injecting. This is not a solution to anything. This is just this is harm reduction. This is trying to make, um, uh, you know, the landscape look better and the landscape be safer. I mean, in the, just on that subject, in that same car park, about two years before that, I saw children playing football. Now it was nothing to do with needles or anything. Like they did, mm-hmm. they didn't see the needles, but there were needles there then when they were playing football. You know. No, 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 and I, I, I know what you're. I know what you're saying because many yeah. years ago I did a report for another radio station about something completely innocuous, and I was in a, a block of flats, I think in Kilbarrick at the time, and in the the basement of the block of flats where you get where the lift is, where you go up the, up and down, there was needles everywhere, and, absolutely, and, and you know for young and there's little young children playing in that area too, and they're probably picking them up and playing with them and throwing them at each other or messing or something. You don't know what kids would do, and that can be extremely dangerous. Absolutely, I mean let let's look at the benefits and I suppose the pros and the cons. It reduces overdose deaths and yeah. rates of HIV, reduces public yeah. drug taking, reduces the number yeah. of needles in the public. I mean, it does have a lot of positives, but there's also the negatives. And I know you kind of cited, uh, you know, many reports in relation mm. to this, but there has been reports that would suggest that, and I'm looking at one report here with the with British Medical Journal in relation to, say, Vancouver and the mm. United States of America. And they said the effects of change analysis over the periods before and after the facilities opened showed no substantial increase in the rate of relapse into the injected drug drug use and no substantial decrease in the rate of stopping injected drug use. You're not going to stop injecting drug use. I mean, this is not designed to stop injecting drug use. This is just designed to try and have prompt interventions for people who are at risk of overdosing and to reduce, you know, drug-related paraphernalia in the area. And also, it does give you the, the um, you know, the possibility of doing something you can't do in a laneway. So you can't, you know, you can't save someone's life if they do overdose in a the laneway. There isn't the intervention. But also, you can't refer any of those patients into into other, you know, you know, methadone maintenance treatment or drug-free But you know, that was a disastrous idea. The methadone is a disastrous idea in the first place because all it does is puts individuals on pause, essentially. It's just, it's just kind of hiding the problem into something yeah, legitimate, it, isn't it? it, it, it you see, you see I, I know a lot of I can understand you saying that, but the, 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 the reality of it is, if you look at all the peer-reviewed research, and it goes back to, right back to the heroin problem in New York in the 60s, and right up to date. I mean, methadone maintenance, without a shadow of a doubt, has incredibly good evidence behind it in terms of keeping people alive. And I mean, I have many, many patients on methadone treatment. And some people want to get off it. Some people want to stay on it for life. We're measuring the wrong outcome. We're, we're measuring the outcome of whether they stay on methadone. We, we really should be measuring outcomes like we do in any other illness. You know, what, what is their mental health like? What's their physical health like? What's their housing like? There's so many other things. Methadone maintenance actually keeps people alive because when they lose their tolerance, unfortunately, Niall, they, they, they yeah. are at risk yeah, of overdose. You. But just the point, um, you know, about the uh, injecting centres at, at the moment. I mean, I, I also mentioned, and you mentioned at the top of the piece, about mobile um, mobile you know, units. Yeah. I mean, they could really, really get us out of a hole at the moment, and they would, they would 
really be looked at as kind of we have outreach services anyway which would be guys going around with packs and they would give people clean syringes and all that sort of stuff and we have needle exchange obviously in Merchant's Key but here we have mobile units that could take over the role of a static site and they'll get away from this issue at the moment I believe it should be in Merchant's Key I certainly think it should be central I mean I didn't wasn't up to me where where it was chosen it went out to tender and the feeling was that there's a lot of injecting going on and in, they had and he had an experience and they, they yeah. have a lot of experience in that I mean, there are others Anna Liffey were another, and there are other groups that were going to look at the drug treatment centre board as well as a possibility of um, of putting it there it, this is one thing that, that, that I would like to just get out there um, now this thing of you know why not do it out in Clontarf or Fox Rock and I know people have been half facetious when they say that some people are not you, you have to remember that injecting street injecting drug use is essentially a, a, a urban you know a city centre problem like that's where they go to inject it would be pointless putting that out in you know an industrial estate somewhere out in the sticks it just because it, they it, have it, to travel to it then and they're not going to bother yeah, doing they're that. not going to do that and, and there is dealing going on in the city of course there's dealing and I, 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 I you know one of the objections was about policing and um I absolutely well, 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 wasn't, wasn't the objection well part of the objection about policing is is that what you would then have to allow is that in that immediate area or within a range of that area, you have to somewhat allow the possession of drugs because yeah. that's where they're going to be going to take the drugs and you're not going to give them drugs, obviously. And just By the way, for yeah. people who are not familiar with what happens in an injection centre, maybe you could outline that, Garrett, because I, I think there are some people of the opinion that you can go in there and get free drugs, but that's not no, the case at no, all. No, that's, that's an excellent point. So, yeah. so there are, there are centres in a number of countries around the world, like Netherlands and Switzerland, that do give heroin on prescription. So you go in, because it's quite, quite a short, short duration of action, you get pharmaceutical heroin, very much in the way you'd get morphine if you went to an emergency department. And because it has, to say, a, such a short duration of action, you have to go in a few times a day to get it, which is a bit onerous for people. But it, it, if you look at all the reviews, it works very, very well. It's clean. They don't, they don't spend money you know, keeping their habit going, etc., etc. Et it's kind of like methadone, but methadone doesn't suit every, everybody, neither, neither does Suboxone. But just to um, clarify the point you're talking about. You're quite right. This is nothing to do with that. This is not. You're bringing your own drugs. You come into the centre. Do they check sh- the drugs? Do they, they do, check is, the drugs? Okay. Absolutely. Now they don't do drug checking, to my knowledge. Now I don't. There are about a hundred centres around the world. You know, like we were talking about at, um, which would be useful actually. The whole idea at festivals where they can, you know, check for impurities and drugs and exactly, stuff like that. Yeah. That might be something worth looking at. But no, but they check the drugs. The, the, the people who would be coming in would probably be well known, to be quite honest with you, Niall, to you know somewhere like Merchants Key. They would know them. I mean, they're they're a small bunch of people, believe it or not, and they're a small community. How many, pe- how, many, how many people are on the streets taking drugs? Do you know the numbers? Well, it's estimated heroin-wise, it could be. It could be. Well, we know that there are ten thousand. I'm sorry, on, no, I put you on the spot, Catherine. Yeah, no, but there are about ten thousand, eleven thousand on methadone treatment. There's possibly another. 6,000, 10,000 more people who are not on methadone who are, who are on the streets. Right. Now, not all of them are injecting. We're seeing less and less people. They're still startling figures, aren't they? I mean, they are, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we don't know. And obviously, we've had this problem around Ireland. This is no longer an, a Dublin problem now because it's, it's moved. Mm. Oh, so, um, so they go into the injection centre. Somebody may check the drugs for them. Uh, they're given a clean needle, I assume. They're given the clean pack. They're given everything. And, and they're given a little cubicle. And uh, they're given a little, a little area. There's a little, like little tables, little metal tables and they have everything on it that they need that they would otherwise have outside sometimes they don't have it but they have everything they need to be able to do it if they have a problem finding a vein or if they need help finding a vein or if they need any advice or they need any information then 
there's someone on hand with expertise to be able to now, do that. Is is the one of the benefits of this? Will is there somebody there that will try and get them onto a program or encourage them onto a program, or is it a case of them just going in, inject themselves, no. and has to be to see? And no, no, I say? no. Absolutely not. The the the, the people who who you, if you look at the centres uh, internationally, there there are a lot of returning people coming 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 because you know they develop relationships, uh, therapeutic relationships with people, and they'll come in in crisis. They'll want to talk about stuff, and without a shadow of a doubt, there are people there to be able to refer them on if that's what they want to do. If they don't want to do that, you. Fair enough. There's nothing you can do. But even if they don't want to do that now, they may want to do that down the line. Can I say this? Uh, we want to get people away from injecting. I, I, I'd like to get people away from injecting because well, injecting, there's, only, there's only two ways of doing that, which is to mm. help and support people under, you know, and do it as a, yeah. under a health program or prohibition. Now, I know there's always a line out there that prohibition doesn't work, which I don't believe. I do believe the prohibition has a, can have a huge effect. Depending When it comes to substance abuse, even prohibition, for example, on the age you're allowed to drink, that's a prohibition, mm. 18 years of age. Yeah. If we made it 12 years of age tomorrow, I think we would have more alcoholics. So I do believe that to some level, prohibition can work. So there is a mindset out there that we haven't taken drug abuse seriously and on Garda Shea should be more proactive when it comes to, say, catching somebody in possession of heroin or Class A drugs. And then there's the other, I suppose, thought uh, you know, thought on this that we should be more understanding, uh, supportive, and sympathetic. So there's two ways of looking at it to, to stop this problem because it yeah, is a problem. I, I think if you look at the international research on sort of prohibition, I mean, one of the things we know about criminalising people who use drugs is it doesn't have any actual effect on them whether they will use less drugs because you criminalise them. So I don't think there's any great evidence that happens. I would probably rather than use. I know what you're saying about underage people drinking. I'd, I'd look at that as more more proper regulation. So, well, no, no, I think, no, no, I think the point I was making, Gareth, yeah. in relation to the word prohibition, and, and mm. it's just that people use that cliche when they talk about America and the prohibition in America. They do, yeah, alcohol, yeah. And they say, oh, prohibition doesn't work. In all walks of life, we have prohibition. We can't go over a speed limit of 120 kilometres an hour. If we didn't have the speed limit, more people probably would do it. So I think prohibition in general does have an effect on society and the way we behave. I mean, if we, I, I probably wouldn't agree with you in relation to, say, the, uh, you know, uh, decriminalisation of Class A drugs. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that sends out a wrong signal to society that gives a green light somewhat to, you know, it's okay to take cocaine or it's okay to take heroin. And I don't think I'd like to live in a society like that. Now, you may disagree with me because obviously you're a public health expert, but, someone, but, I, but I would, that just from a societal point of view, no, I, I accept that, but I suppose that you, you can only look at what research is there. I mean, we, we often quote the Portuguese model, you know, they decriminalised in 2001, and just to say, uh, they don't have any intentions of legalising any drugs over there, but they did decriminalise, so they mm. did take a more health-led approach rather than a yeah. criminal justice approach. And, you know, the sky didn't fall in, um, rates of HIV and hepatitis C drastically dropped, there wasn't a huge amount of money spent on stupid, you know, you know, petty kind of uh, possession charges and stuff like that. Yeah, and, but so, like, I, I don't want to see that either. I don't want to see some young student, you know, lose his opportunity yeah. to go to America because he had a five spot in his pocket or something yeah, like that. So that's yeah. that's not certainly where we should be. But, so, get, but getting back to the centres, hmm. so I suppose the objections are on the grounds that it normalises drug use and allows those who use drugs to continue to abuse them. And then it gives a little bit of faux pas or free reign for those in the area, the very local area, to deal in drugs. So how do we address those concerns, Gareth? Well, the, the, well, let's deal with the last one first. I mean, the dealing in the area, I work in that area. I know that area very well. I work in a clinic just just past Christchurch up the hill. And uh, I'm very, very okay with the amount of dealing that goes on. That dealing is happening anyway. So the dealing won't change just because we open a centre. The whole idea of a centre is to try and make 
the streets look better and safer. That's all it is. And try and keep people alive who may otherwise not. We're losing a person a day in this country due to overdose and you know when I'm talking about accidental overdose and a lot of the that is injecting drug use so we're not getting that right now you could argue okay we don't have an injecting center right at all okay no injecting center so over to you now right let's put let's put it over to somebody else and say well what do you think we need and I've heard this argument Niall we need more detox beds can I can I just really bury this one once and for all the group of people who are injecting okay on the street are very very vulnerable Yep. They would not meet any criteria in any language of going to a detox centre because what would happen is if you're currently injecting and you go to a detox centre, a detox centre will take your, uh, will take your uh, tolerance off of you, right? It will take your tolerance yep. off you. And if you go back out of that detox centre and you use heroin, you will die. So that's not an answer to the injecting drug problem on the streets of Dublin. I want to get that across. And if anybody wants to challenge me on that I'll sit down and I'll have a debate with yeah, well, I know, I know they have I mean there, there is a little bit of a con- uh, contradiction in the fact that they have to be clean for a certain period of time before they're allowed to go into these places yeah you know that's right I'm so not, it's a bit I'm of not, a contradiction can I, isn't can it can I say that can yeah. I say no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I think that those criteria are necessarily correct but what I'm saying is if you think about injecting and you think about if you've ever seen people inject, I, I mean I told you the, 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 the example in the car park it, it, it was, and I said in my art, in the article, it was a pitiful sight. It was a pitiful sight. These no, are very, is. very vulnerable people, right? And let me tell you, we've had people go in who met all the criteria and still came out and inject and injected. And this is why a lot of people stay on methadone. There's a larger, wider issue here. There's an issue of social I mean, inequality. I mean, I, I'm sorry to rush you because, uh, because unfortunately, I'm going to come to an ad break yeah. soon, But I mean, is this? I mean, is this about aesthetics as well? Because obviously we have tourism that we have to promote in the country too. And the last thing we want to see, you know, for tourists, and I know this sounds like a really insensitive point, is that tourists see, you know, drug users lying on the streets taking heroin. So there's an aesthetics about it too. So from that point of view, do you believe that the people who are taking heroin and taking, you know, these drugs will use the centre? Will they bother to use it? They seem to use the centre. I mean, look, in, you have to remember, in, in, in Netherlands, there are 30 of these centres, right? Okay. So let, this is only a pilot anyway, right? This would be a pilot to see how it works. And let me tell you, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, we're not even at that stage now because the judicial review and the, uh, the challenge to the planning permission process, won't, we won't get an answer to that until September or October. So we're, we're well, I know the, the COVID has kind of put pay to that uh, for it the has, moment. Yeah. It has, but in fairness now, the, the, the legislation was 2017, the tender was won in 2018. February 2020, and, and the, I think the objection And, and I, don't want to, yeah. I don't want to keep harping on about mobile units, but yeah. they could be a much cheaper and effective, and it would basically widen the net in terms of the number of them, if you, if, if you know what I mean. So... Um, I, I don't think we're anywhere near getting um, an injecting centre right now. But in answer to your question, will they use it? it the general feeling is people do use it. They, okay. they, they do right. use these centres. And we also need just to say, to, you know, we need disposal, sharps disposal bins around the city because there will be people that won't, just like there's people that don't use normal bins for litter, they'll throw it on the floor. You need to you need to have these, and these so are very. I, I, very I'm easy. assuming that people like yourself and people like Merchants Key and mm. uh, uh, the the, the Analyphy, they would know the I suppose the main areas where people would go to do this. So having bins in those areas would might be a good idea. On a final point, yeah. um, in relation to cannabis use in young people, I mean, there's anecdotal yeah. stories about how there has been a rise in cannabis use in young people linked with yeah. mental health problems at the moment. And I'm sure I don't know whether you've seen that obviously in your own practice, but is that becoming a concern? Well, it is becoming a concern, but we, we're, our, our, 
our answer to that, uh, unlike other jurisdictions, and notably actually the USA, is we believe that we need to prohibit cannabis and continue to prohibit cannabis so that that makes it safer. Well, you know, I keep saying to people, we don't have cannabis legalization in Ireland as we stand, right? So we can't blame the problems of cannabis in this country due to legalization because it's still prohibited as it stands. And there are, going back to the point we raised earlier, a lot of petty you know, charges. And, and people say, oh, it's de facto decriminalised. Well, that's not actually true. I I've, I've treat patients who come up and they have to give, you know, uh, urine samples for probation and stuff like that for stupid things. They don't even have a problem. They don't, they, they don't have a problem. But your point about uh, is, is, are there mental health uh, problems in young people? The vast majority of people who use cannabis don't have mental health problems. Mm-hmm. But there are a few that do have mental health but problems. What, what, about, what about this research recently, which say, and I know there was a couple of articles I'd seen recently about the rise and the increase among young people. Is that a fact or is that just anecdotal or is there a genuine concern about No, I think rise? cannabis use, I, I don't think there's any doubt cannabis use is on the increase. Right. I don't think there's any more and, and, more that that around. Well, because yes, there, there is the, I mean, the, there I, is the I, gateway I, argument, isn't I, there? You I, know? Yeah, I mean, the gateway argument probably, you know, is has got many, many holes and I don't think there's any great peer-reviewed research to show that that's true. But does it concern me? Yes, it does concern me. But I would argue fairly strongly, and I am obviously a cannabis legalisation advocate. I would like to see it, reg- I hate to use the word legalisation, I'd li- I used, like to use the word regulated. But if there is potency, higher potency THD, if that's what the problem is, and that's linking mental health problems with young people, then I think that is a reason to regulate this drug, not a reason to prohibit this and, and again, I ask, ask the question, Niall, well, okay, we won't, we won't. Well, then, then if you are going down that road, you would have to see the state obviously providing the cannabis. When I say yeah, providing, yeah, yeah. regulating it properly. No, no, regulate, like yeah. in the USA, absolutely. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's complicated because there are of course. a lot of people using it for pain and stuff like that. But I think we need to regulate. Now, if we don't regulate it, or we don't legalize it, then we're going the other route. I can only assume that people think that the laws aren't harsh enough. But again, I go back to my point. Harsh laws like in Thailand and 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 uh, Philippines rather and Sweden have absolutely no effect. The drug-related deaths in Sweden and they've really harsh laws in terms of um, uh, drug policy. Their drug-related deaths are very very high, so that hasn't worked either. Why? Because you believe it pushes things underground and people hide. It does, yeah, yeah. absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. And people don't come for treatment who would otherwise. But, but the, I suppose on the on the counter argument to that would be that we already have a problem with alcohol in this country. We already have a problem with cigarette smoking, which we're trying to tackle. Hopefully, yeah. they're, they're saying by twenty thirty they'd like to see them illegal in many countries around the world. And you know, why would you, when you're trying to get rid of two other problems, introduce another one? Well, and I, and I, I suppose I, that's yeah. an argument, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, but I suppose. Tobacco is very nuanced because tobacco is sort of separate from the other ones in the sense it's very much a physical health thing rather than, you know, you, I mean, people's lives don't fall apart because they smoke, but their physical health can really deteriorate. In, you in, you in, could in, argue the same with alcohol. I mean, well, alcohol could, directly and indirectly kills well, more people probably. You, you could, but I suppose the other option then is uh, making alcohol illegal. What do you think our society would be like if alcohol was illegal. Just think about that. Oh, I, would, we, I, you, wouldn't, think, I wouldn't like to think about that for the I moment. I wouldn't like to think about it either, I don't think no. myself, but I don't like to... I wouldn't imagine we would have a very happy society. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. No. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Dr. Gary. Not McGovern. at all. Thanks a million. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, we want to throw it out there to you as well, by the way, obviously in relation to injection centres. You've heard all the, the two and the four evidence there in relation to it. There have been studies on both sides in relation to this particular idea of injection centres. Uh, there are arguments, of course 
that reduces the overall deaths and rates uh, of HIV. There are, it reduces overdose deaths. It reduces public drug taking. Uh, so that's aesthetics, I suppose, in some sense. Provides better management and regulation of substance abuse. And of course, the concerns against it are it normalises drug use, possibly less motivation to quit using the substance and possibly fewer people in substance abuse treatment due to fewer drug-related legal problems because obviously they don't come to the fore, I suppose. In other words, because they're doing it anyway. Complicated. We talk about we can talk about Portugal, and they say that the crime rate or the amount of people brought to court for drug-related crimes is down. But of course, it's down because people aren't being arrested as such for possession of drugs. They're being helped and supported. So the question is, would you be happy with a you know a drug injection centre in your area, and would you object to it, or do you think they're a good idea? Do you think they're a positive thing, or do you think it's a negative thing in society? Let me know what you think. The number is oh eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. Now there has been objections. People saying, uh, "No, has there not been an objection to that centre?" There has. Yes, in February twenty twenty, a Dublin primary school, a local primary school, actually objected to it with a high court challenge. Now, obviously, we can't discuss the challenges itself, but there is a challenge against it. But to date, it hasn't opened. And a lot of the reason for that is because it hasn't been dealt with because of COVID-19. So everything has kind of been put on the long finger. But Robbie, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How you doing, Robbie? How you doing? Uh, Robbie, I mean, look, there are a lot of places people would say they would object to it. And inje- You know, not in my backyard, I suppose. Isn't yeah, that, exactly. isn't that, yeah, it's a great word, by the way, which has only been invented over the last three or four years. Nimbyism. But, but it is a case that a lot of people wouldn't like to see it in their area. But there are positives and there are negatives to it. So do you agree with the idea? I, I, I have a, a fair agreement with it, yes, I do. But look, well, you can have a playground going up somewhere and somebody will disagree with it and somebody will want to go against it, you know. Like, There's a difference in a playground and a drug injection yeah, centre. I know, I know. I'm just saying that like, you're always going to have people who will object against everything no matter what happens anyway. But, I, like, I mean, is the problem is it just within, within inside the canal, you know, in Dublin. Like, what the doctor is saying there, that it seems to be just based within the kind of the city city boundaries, which I, I don't know, I would kind of tend to fully agree with that, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, like as you said, if, if the addicts in, say, Crumlin or Valley Forever is not going to travel into town to inject, or the addict in Dullardy is not going to travel into town to inject. So if there is a safe haven somewhere for them to go to, you know, and I'm not saying we have so, to... So you like him, you were saying the mobile units might be a better idea? Maybe could be, you know. But the mm-hmm. thing is that, as it says the rules as well, I remember Christy Bourke talking going back 20, 30 years ago that the, the, the problem with the heroin epidemic, which is worse now than it was at the time of uh, CPAD and all that, mm-hmm. was that it's not just about getting rid of the pushers off the street, it's also about um, getting people off drugs, you know, not just injection centres and treatment centres, but it's also, like, how do we stop people from going on to heroin as well? That's that, that was his big thing back in the day, and that, that really hasn't happened, you know. So that's but that, but I, don't, I don't know, and I think the doctor might have agreed with, with some studies that had suggested that that's not the purpose of the, the drug centre, of the injection centre. The purpose exactly is to make it safer. Day. I mean, there, is, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of evidence that it reduces the amount of people that take drugs. Yeah, I know, but the, the, that's what I'm saying. I agree with that point. But I think the point is that I would say is that why can't we have that facility put into these centres if they're going to be there? You know, um, mm. Troy, me and people have And I, I 100% agree with you again as well that we have methadone addicts in Dublin and around the country now. And methadone is most certainly not the answer, you know. That's, that's just um, put, making... Well, well according addicts. to the doctor, it may not be the answer, but it does stop people from dying and overdosing. Yeah, I know, but the thing is that, like, it's what we have is now state-sponsored addicts. 
you know, in a sense, instead of trying to get people away from methadone and heroin. But there is no easy answer to it, is there, Rob? There is no, there is no easy answer, but I mean, there is an answer. And I don't think we've tried to answer it fully and properly over the last 40 years. Okay, well, then what, what, what do you think is a better solution or... or, or I mean, I, I know you're not an expert. I'm not asking you to, to be an expert, and certainly you're not a doctor. But, but what do you think is the answer? If injection centres really aren't going to solve the problem, and maybe you agree more with mobile injection centres, and you believe that, you know, methadone is not the answer either, what is the real answer? That's, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, like, the thing is that we, we know that heroin has been devastating communities and families for the last 40 years, 50 years. We know that. The question is, why are people still going on heroin, even though we know what happens if you become a heroin addict? You know, that, that's one question that has to be asked as well. What is still making young people torn to heroin? So I think that, that's something that we need to look at. I think that the, the same thing is when you, you hand out a, a house, you give somebody a house, and there, there are social problems within that family. You hand them a house, you hand them the keys, and then you shut the door. The social problems of that family are still there. They're not gone just because you get the keys for a house. Do you get me? Yeah. There's still, there's still problems there that need to be tackled. And I don't think we're tackling them right. And the thing yeah, is but you well do have to take into consideration society and, you, and people who are not on drugs. And yeah. you know, people in that, those areas are people who are near the mobile clinic, maybe, for example. And they don't want to be subjected to people who are on drugs. And we have to be honest with ourselves and say that people who are on heroin, many of them are on, not working because they're not functional yeah. and they're not yeah. working. And, you know, they're stealing or committing crimes to get those drugs and to get the money Absolutely. for those drugs. And they don't want to be in an area where those type of people, as they will say, will be walking around, you know, and, you know, committing crimes or whatever it is to get money for drugs. Because, of course, the state are not providing these drugs for people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, look, I mean... Heroin addict and, and um, robbing or thieving, if whatever term you want to Go hand in hand. You know, Absolutely. that's without a doubt. Yeah. And it's understandable. It's understandable. Look, if people know that there's an injection centre or a mobile injection centre within their area, of course, it's understandable again that it's... Um, a concern. It's a concern. But there's also, there's also the, not the understanding of some people that the nimbyism comes in, that there's no drug addicts in my area, which is absolute nonsense. There's drug addicts come from every postcode and every air code yeah, but you, Ireland, yeah, but you, you know? do have to admit there are areas where it is more prevalent. Absolutely, yes. I, I do agree with you. And I think the focus has to be on, like, I mean, I, I go by what the doc said, like, you know, that it's primarily within the city boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, the injection centres would have to go into these areas. And, I mean, within the city boundaries, I mean, if, you, if you're talking within sort of the canals, you're, you're talking this, most of it is really, you know, commercial or retail or industrial, you know? And maybe they're the areas to do it. But again, is it fair to I mean, I, I, as you mentioned, the doctor, aesthetically, it doesn't look good when you've got people exactly. strung out hanging around the boardwalk all day. And we see that on a regular basis. But stay, stay there for a second, because I want to go to Peter as well, who's a former heroin addict. Peter, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Peter? How's it going, Noel? Uh Peter, you, you've heard the doctor, you know, and, and he makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, Dr. Garrett McGovern, who spoke to us there. A lot of what yeah. he says makes sense. I don't disagree. I don't agree. I don't agree with all of us. I don't disagree with it all either. But I mean, what is the answer? If if an injection centre is not the answer, what is an answer? We have is the answer, Noel. Um, if you if you're a drug addict that wants to change today, if you ring up today to get into a place, there's not one place in this country that will take you straight in. And because you have to be clean. To, yeah. Some of them you have to be clean. Some of them you have to have one drug in your urine. 
and so on. And so they need a place that all the money they're pumping into these injection centers and everything else needs to be pumped into a, a facility where people can go when they when they're going. Like for me personally, I was going through a bad time. Family didn't want me. Nobody wanted me, and I was just at wit's end, going to take my own life. And I rang a, a place that took people straight in, and I went in that day, and that was it. And but it's not that yeah, well, they're run by charities and, and Christian yeah, groups. Yeah. And and so there should be a state-run facility instead of pumping all this money into injection centres. You take Merchant's Key, for example. You can go in there now and get a pack off them of clean needles and everything else, and you can go home, use them clean needles, go back next week with all the dirty ones, hand them in and get yourself clean needles. So it's nearly like an injection centre already, and people already yeah. hang around Merchant's Key already. Drug addicts well, hanging around American Ski. They're not going home. They're staying around no. town. Exactly, so yeah. this, this injection center, people are going to go inject and they're going to walk straight out the door and back to the boardwalk to have a nice goof or wherever they go. And it's not going to yeah. solve the problem. It's the same as methadone. Well, I, well, I, well, well, I, well I don't... I mean, I, and I said that, you know, in relation to studies, and there was the major study that was done in uh, Vancouver, I think it was, and they studied 800 people over the course, 871 people over the course of two years after they opened the injection centre there. And they said that, you know, the, the analysis was the effects of change, that there was no real change. But, no. but it did point out as well that some of the concerns that people have about crime increasing in the area and all that, it didn't increase the problem either. But it, the one change it may have had was it reduced the amount of overdoses and the amount of HIV, and obviously from sharing injections. Um, yeah. and so that is something positive out of it. So, I mean, it's, I don't think it's designed to get people off drugs. It doesn't seem to do that. That's not Neither does methadone. Well, well no, no, what it. I'm saying is, but so, in other words, it's only complementary to what you're talking about, Peter. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yes, there yes. maybe needs to be more beds and there needs to be more help out for, for, for people out there. But it's not, it, it, the negative effect, there, there doesn't seem to be a negative effect to it. There doesn't seem to be too much positive either. No, no, exactly. no. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? So it, 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 it works both ways. And as I said... Well, saving lives, I suppose, is positive in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Robbie, what are you trying to say to Peter there? Go ahead. Yeah, it, I mean, like, I, I agree everything that they've said. Like, they've been talking about getting more beds for, for 50 years now, you know? And the thing is that, like, what they're doing is they're, they're putting the plaster over a broken leg. You know, it's... it's yeah, it's saving lives, it's getting rid of more overdoses and all that, but we still have the addict, and they're not getting the treatment that a lot of them would need, but we're also not tackling the problem of why people are still going on heroin. There are two huge problems, I think, that need to be looked at. But the beds, most definitely, the injection centres are all well and good, but they need to be more than just an injection centre. They need to be a centre that tries treatment as well as giving people clean heroin, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Peter, what about the mobile units? You know, and that avoids people giving out about it being built in my area or the nimbyism, you know. And I know we mentioned earlier on, we talked about why don't they build one in Clontarf or Fox Rock or Malahide. But you don't generally have a lot of people who are hang, taking heroin hanging around those areas. There exactly. are some, of course. They are all hanging around the city centre. That's where they are. Because, yeah. well, well, probably because Merchant's Keys around the city centre too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to have addicts in the city no matter what. They go there, there's, there's the Analyphia program, there's the um, Merchant's Key, there's the hostels where they stay, there's the begging they do on the side of the roads. There's so much in the city centre. And, the crimes, that, and, and the crimes that are committed are easier yeah, to commit yeah. in the city centre. There's so much more addicts can do in the city centre. And it was like, 
when I was growing up in Blanchardstown, people complained about these methadone clinics in the area. So they set up a, mo- a mobile one in Blanchardstown Hospital. And so anybody that was on drugs in Blanchardstown had to go to the hospital to the mobile methadone clinic. And mm. so it'll be the same with the injection centres. If it's not convenient for an addict to go and inject them wherever these are located, the addict is not going to go. They're just going to get their drugs, do it where they can, to get rid of the sickness. And one thing that they're not focusing on in any of these injection centres is the family behind the addict. That there's a family that's broken and torn apart because there's an addict in the family. And there's no services there for families that have addicts in them. And as a, in my own family, was destroyed by, by my drug addiction. And so it had a big effect on them. But this injection centre, the methadone programmes, it's not doing nothing for the families that are behind these addicts who also suffer. So that's and, and, and by the way, those families can also be a great support if they know what to do. Exactly. And they're not yeah. getting that support. And there's many families out there that want that support. Some of them aren't afraid to say anything. I know, I know, and you're right. And as as we speak today, there's probably you know a mother or a father listening at home that has a son or a daughter who's strung out on heroin and they don't know what to do. Exactly, Exactly. and they go to all these places and they look for help, like my mother did with me. And there's none. You know, put them on the methadone, and your mother's like, "Well, is that for the rest of their lives?" Like you can see people that have been ten, fifteen, twenty years on methadone. They still look. They still talk like an addict. The only thing that, that it is, it's, it's a liquid form and it's, it's prolonging and it's keeping them what they call maintained. And alive. You don't have to go out robbing. Well, we can, we can get into that as well because it's destroying their bones. Well, do, Peter, do me a favour because I have to go into a break. Stay there if you can. Stay there with me, Peter. Keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Numbers 87 All right, Richie says Aon Reardon uh, stood up at the doll and excoriated homeowners and home ownership uh, for the lack of social housing developments, H- HSE injection centres, and halting sites within communities. Perhaps these politicians and policymakers ought to lead by example and place these facilities in their own backyards. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, let me stay there, Peter, if you can. Let me go to Patrick. Patrick, you're in Ireland's classic kids. How you doing, Patrick? I don't know how things. Good. You, you've listened to what Peter said. You know, it's all well and good yep. throwing an injection centre up somewhere, but that's not going to deal with the problem. Yeah, I just think Peter's constantly put on this program because he, he agrees with your worldview. You have, I said this before. You have confirmation bias. You want to hear opinions. You know, you constantly read him on as an ex-addict. I don't. But that's I, very, I can, well. Well, hang on. I, firstly, I think that's insulting to Peter. But by no, using, no, by, but, but hang on, by using the term, wheel him on. What it is, you want an ex-addict on to say exactly your opinion. If he didn't disagree with you, you wouldn't constantly have him on every time you're talking about injections. Well, hang on. on. Peter, before you say anything, I just want to do and defend myself. We also had a doctor on for the first half an hour of the show who was pro uh, the injection centres, and I agreed with a lot of what he said. Yeah. But constantly it's convenient for you to have an addict say, well, look, this fellow was on. Well, well, why wouldn't I have an addict on? You need need to have the criminal justice system persecute addicts. It'll then put them off the idea of being on drugs. Who's persecuting addicts? Who's persecuting addicts? He is a proponent of people going through the criminal justice system. And if the judge didn't threaten me with jail, I've heard him before, I would never went off drugs. He is a minority of people who... Okay, we'll let, we'll let Peter, we'll let Peter defend him. So, we'll so let, let Peter, as you put it, Peter, the addict that we wheeled on. Uh, let him defend himself if he can. Peter, do you want to defend yourself against that accusation? Yeah, first of all, I rang the show today because I listened to the show and, and I ring in. I wasn't contacted by the show. Second of all, if you've never been in an addict's shoes, how are you supposed to speak on behalf of an addict? 
Well, um, me, me, my point today is from a family member who didn't get down that road. So you made a comment, Peter. Now, listen, a great time and simplify it, but just I feel sometimes you're slightly, you're, you're, you, you are his confirmation bias of his, his who, opinion. Wait, 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 who's his? Who's his? Me. You're talking about me there, are you? No. Yeah, try not to be so rude. I've given you many, many times the statistics for Switzerland. We don't need to be persecuting people. Stick to the point that Peter is making today. That he's saying he's not he's not completely against the idea of injection centres as long as it's mobile. He agrees with the doctor in relation to a mobile centre. And what he's saying is it's not the answer either. So I'm coming this from an angle of a family member of many people like Peter, very, very close family members. I never went down that road of my own business. I don't know how I'm so different to somebody family member, but I am. But I still have all the sympathy and love for them in all the world. He made the point that it's not good for fam- these injection centres do nothing for the families. I would have much rather had my family members who are similar to Peter in an injection centre with a medical professional standing over them, making sure they didn't overdose in an alleyway somewhere. I've heard some claptrap in all my life, but to say that injection centres don't help that's family not what members. He said. Well, we don't want that's actually that's actually not what he said. If you listen to what he said, he also said we need supports for the families. He didn't say he the injection. Support, he, 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 wasn't, said, he wasn't using the injection centre to bash uh, the idea that we didn't have support for families. That's not what he said. He, he, he said words where they don't do anything for the families. Yeah, but, well, yeah, no, but you're I, taking, I him, what, you're taking what he said literally. What he's saying is that we need supports for families out there as well. And we do. And if, course, if, if, if you don't think we do, there's something, uh, there's something wrong if you don't believe we need supports for families. Of course I do. Yeah. Of course I do. I think there should be full support for all addicts. They should never be, any addict should never be standing up in the court for his drug use. He should always be in the hands of medical professionals. professionals. There was all, this has been done before in Switzerland. It was done in Witness. I know, you keep telling me about Dr. Mark. Yeah. Exactly. But it's been done. The 50% intravenous drug use has reduced. If you have diamorphine instead of heroin and that other crap to give you in Ireland, you're not goofing off. People in, in Switzerland go in and get heroin and then go to work in the morning because they're able to perform. I would encourage every one of your listeners to study the programme and witness a very similar place uh, to Ireland and Dr. Marks and what he did. Okay, and you, and you clearly have an opinion on it as well, Patrick. Equally, uh, Peter, who has been a heroin addict, has an opinion on it. Uh, Peter, obviously, Patrick is going down the route, of, I suppose, of the, uh, I'm not saying legitimising, but certainly decriminalising uh, Class A drugs, which is something that he cites in Switzerland and other countries around the world. And I know Portugal have a, the idea of decriminalising, but also added the added idea of trying to encourage people to get support. You don't, you don't agree with that, Peter? No, because it's still the same as, as methadone. It's, it's plastering over the problem and it's not dealing with the issue of getting the, pe- the person off the drugs. And it's not dealing with the issue of, of the family that's hurt by the person on the drugs. It's, it's like the, it's, it's, if you give someone diamorphine, it's exactly like methadone. You're just putting them onto something else to keep them off the streets and to give some sort of maintenance to their, to their lives where they can live every day. But they're still dependent on this drug to get through the day. And if they can't make that injection centre or that diamorphine that day, they can't physically work unless they have this drug in them. And so all it's doing is... You're telling me... You're saying you're... No, no, not talking about method. Very quickly, lads. I've only got 30 seconds. Sorry, Peter. Peter, you don't believe that's true. You can't skip a day's method. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, Patrick. You don't believe that's true. Sorry. No, no, what I'm saying is people in Switzerland go inject themselves with diamorphine. They have no, yeah, the, they're not goofing off. It doesn't destroy their... Uh, yeah, but the point drug. he's making is you're just replacing one drug with another. 
if they don't get that drug, they're, they're in the same situation. If you're in a car crash at night and all, you get diamorphine to kill your pain. You're not going to be hooked. The cause of addiction is trauma and peer yeah, but, you're, but, but just answer the question he, that he's posed is, you're replacing one drug with another, which is what we already do. He says we're not addressing the cause of the addiction. The, the cause of addiction is, is usually childhood trauma or some sort of sexual abuse or some sort of trauma. If you don't How address that, then... How is it? How, uh, how of course you it is. That? Why, how why is if, it? I, if I got diamorphine tonight, why would I not be addicted? Because I've love and connection in my life, Pierre. I, I, I wasn't abused Are you saying child. I was abused or I had uh, something you, go wrong with me too? Okay, but lads, I'm going to have to hold the two of you because I have to go to news. Uh, stay there with me, both of you. Want to, as I do want you to finish off that debate after the break. Peter, just to respond to what Patrick was saying there before the break, um, he was referring, obviously, to what they did in Switzerland because back in the 80s, they had a huge problem where parts of the city were referred to as Needle Park. So much so that they had to bring in a whole new approach to drug taking and it was a kind of what they call a four pillar approach uh, which was obviously to reduce harm uh, to change the legislation around the possession of drugs and to give more supports to people. Now they also talked about you know injection centres or should I say injection rooms at the time and they believe that it tackled the problem so much so that they've seen a massive reduction in the amount of HIV infections and overdose deaths. So in that sense is it not a good idea then Peter because I know you're against the idea as a former heroin user. In that sense, it's 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 a good idea. When if HIV is, is stopping and needles aren't being found where kids are, and that that's I'm all for that. But what the, the other listener was saying before he went was that most addicts have trauma or were sexually abused when they were younger, and I had neither of them when I was younger. The reason I took drugs is because I wanted to get stoned. I loved taking drugs at the time, and it was nothing to do with trauma or abuse when I was younger. And that's the thing that. Some counsellors will do, well, what happened to you when you were younger? They try and pinpoint something in your life that caused it to be an addict. And what caused well, there, well, there always, addict? well, there always is some point. I mean, you described to me before the point in your life, I suppose, when you became an addict was you hung around with the wrong people. Yeah, but it wasn't trauma, it wasn't abuse. It was just, I was hanging around with people. I took the drug, I liked it, and I wanted to get stoned. That was, that was it. Patrick, would you accept that, that, you know, what the, the remark that you made before the break, that there's always a point in somebody's life, be it, and you, you, you refer to sexual abuse or drug or physical abuse as a yep. child, that's not always the case. It, well, the vast majority, the fact that he reacted the way he did when I said the, the cause of addiction is trauma, which is widely accepted around the world, probably shows how kind of ill-informed for an ex-addict he is. Because I, again, I, I, I would rather you know. didn't insult him. You're being quite insulting no, to him. As an ex-addict, he has a lot of experience. Now he's ignorant as well. So he's misinformed and he's ignorant, he's even not. though he's an ex-addict. You know, all you're do- by insulting him is not going to win the debate for you, Patrick. Let's be clear about that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm speaking the truth. He I'm hasn't insulted you. Someone who's on drugs. Yeah, but he hasn't insulted you. Addiction, you, the, the, the circuits in your brain... Your endorphin circuits develop through your environment and through your experience, and they don't develop genetically as a child. So your your life and your experiences is how your brain forms as a child to allow you to feel love and bonding. Your and this is important for your listeners, and not just abuse. It's someone who has a parent even that doesn't show love and shows aggression is four times more likely to become addicted to drugs, and only twenty percent of people become addicted to heroin. There's a reason twenty percent become addicted and eighty percent don't. So he's living in la-la land. Now you're insulting him again. He's living in la-la land, so you're right. And, and for full, in the interest of full transparency, Patrick, you're in favour of full legalisation of all drugs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that's I just in the interest of transparency, which I believe that the majority of the population would completely disagree that's with. Right. But however, you that's smoked, all right. You smoked it for a living, and I'm sure before the smoking ban didn't come in, you smoked in bars and smoked in restaurants. I did, yeah. There's a big difference in smoking cigarettes you know, and taking heroin. 
there is. You're worse. You're actually killing people with, with passive smoking. Oh, right, and you okay. gladly did it. You knew so you're, you're trying to tell me that smoking cigarettes in society is worse than heroin abuse. Patrick, let's be real. Let's be real about the debate we're having today. We're talking about injection centres. We're talking about trying to get people off on heroin. We're not talking about people smoking cigarettes, which I believe is not a good thing in society. I absolutely agree with you. But to compare that to heroin abuse, I think we have a problem, Patrick. No, absolutely. No, it's actually, in terms of what was worse and what harms more people, I think smokers were the most selfish drug takers on the planet. Right. Before they were made, they never stood... I'm still a functioning member of society, although I smoke cigarettes, Patrick. With the greatest respect, I'm still a functioning member of society. We're talking about people who, unfortunately, are not functioning members of society because a lot of them are taking heroin. Absolutely. In yeah, terms okay. Of okay, well, let's, let's just go to Sarah as well, because I think you, you, your other interest is obviously that you want to obviously promote the idea of uh, the legalisation of all drugs. And nobody's suggesting, by the way, that we should be criminalising people maybe for having drugs or the possession of drugs for their own personal use and looking at a health approach uh, to that. But certainly the suggestion that we should legalise all drugs. Um, I don't think many people would agree with you on that. But then again, maybe there are some. Because they don't Sarah. know the facts. Okay, okay. All right. Sorry? They're misinformed by you and the other media. You were misinformed. What, what what misinformation was given to you today, Patrick? Everyone else. What, misinma- what misinformation was given to you? The only thing I've heard you do since you come on, Patrick, is insult other people. Anyway, let me just go to Sarah if I can. Sarah, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Niall, Sarah? Niall, can I ask Patrick a question? Like, if he's so up in the world about addiction, like, how come that I turned into an addict and my brother is a consultant in a hospital? Like, tell him, was that down to the environment? that I just turned to drugs, and now he is a doctor, professor, neurologist well, like, in the hospital. I can answer that if you want. Go on, tell me. Well, there's no, this kind of thing of anecdotal tales. As we already oh, there's said, two anecdotal tales on the Here we go. Yeah. There's three or four members of my very close family that ended up on drugs. I, I, could, I could equally say that's an anecdotal yeah. story as well. You're going to talk about a family tree okay, now. Okay, Sa- Sarah, just very quickly, because I have to wrap this up. You were uh, 20 years clean. Well done to you, by the way. 20 yeah. years clean. Fair play to you. And you turned your life around. Why did you did. end? Why did you end up on on drugs? And what drugs were you on, by the way? I was on every type of drug going. Okay. And I took drugs because I wanted to take it. Okay. And and but, but there was there was a point in your life where you started to take drugs. I mean, was it they were hanging around with the wrong people, like Peter? Was it? I'm not going to say hanging around with the wrong people. I just got in with the wrong crowd, and I liked it was attractive to me at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went with it. Okay, so you were finding life difficult at the time and it was something you felt at the time made your life No, easy. I didn't even find life. I was happy. The very first time I ever took a drug, I was happy. I just tried it for the experience. And did you use needles? I did, yeah. And can you remember the first needle that you, you put in your arm? I can remember it. I can remember it very well. And, and I can remember who I was with, where I was with. Did you feel you were, in, were you encouraged by other people to do it at the time? Did you feel it was the right no. thing to do? Was there peer pressure I, on you? I'm not going to say peer pressure, but if I wasn't there, I don't think I'd have used it. Mm. Used, you know. And, and how long did you spend then on drugs? I spent years on drugs. I was a child taking them and I was an adult getting off. And obviously it destroyed your life, that part of your life. It did. I just, I, I hadn't got a childhood, you know. And then when I was going into my thirties, like I had to rebuild my whole life back up and I'm 27. And I'm grateful that I did do it. And, and there is a world out there beyond the drug scene. So what's what's the answer to help people that were in your situation? We've talked about the injection centres earlier on, where people can, and certainly it does reduce the amount of overdoses. It certainly does help people uh, not to obviously contract HIV because they can get clean needles. It may not be the answer to getting people off drugs. Yeah, but I think it might be an answer if you sort of had a programme within the injection centres, like not just have a go for a place to have a safe injection. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like if they were put on some type of a, uh, a program to become clean. You know, like years ago, we never had this thing of being maintained on methadone. You know, and like over the last 20 years, the progression, just when you even walk into the city centre, it's just, it's, it's a horrible place to be. You know, and I'm not going to say it's down to the addicts themselves, but it just seems to be a vocal point mm-hmm. for everyone to go to. You know, as you say, they go in and get their methadone and then they're hanging around, there's nothing for them to do and they could be down one course and they could be down another and that's it. You know, I don't think from, uh, recovery is promoted enough in this country. And what do you say to the failure rate when it comes to recovery? I mean, there's a huge failure rate of people that go into addiction treatment centres. Don't, I think the failure rate was so, at some point was 80% of people didn't even complete the course. And of the 20% that did, 80% of those, when they went back on the street again, went back on drugs again. Why do you think that happens? Because we don't have enough no. backup services? Well, I'm not saying there's not enough support out there. I know when I got out of the treatment centre, I went in the detox unit and then I went into the Rutland Centre. And like when I got out there over the Christmas, like it's back down to this thing, like is it going to be open 24-7? Like I'd be questioning all of that, is it going to be closed to holidays? Like at the moment, like if I'm driving to work and I'm driving by these centres that I attended to, I'd often see the place is closed. You know, and so you have the weekends, you have long bank holidays. Where are the people that's in active addiction going to go? So in other words, like mental health and what we do with mental health in this country, you're only an addict nine to five. And well, that, that, well according, according to the state, you're only an addict and you only need help nine to five Monday to Friday. And something like that is 24-7. Of course it you is. You can't, yeah. you know, and you need people out there promoting it. Okay, so, so, so in other words, you would agree with the injection centres, but as long as they obviously had people in there that could help people get into detox, help people to get a bed, and help people to get somewhere where they can get help. Yeah, but it's very hard even at the moment for people to go and get beds. Like, they're putting too many restrictions and policies on these things. You have to be clean a certain amount of time. If I had to be clean a certain amount of time, there'd be no need for me to go into a treatment centre. That's only me personally. Mm-hmm. I know there's people out there, that environment affects them. But I couldn't get one day, I couldn't even get an hour, two or three hours, thinking in that proper frame of mind. You know, and I'm blessed, and I'm just going to say it for the Youth Action Project in Ballymun, I'd have been dead for them. You know, and that's throughout my whole recovery. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm sure there's thousands of other people in recovery grateful for projects like that back in the day. I mean, because P- they, could, they couldn't get any support of the government. Well, that's what I said. Speaking of support, Peter also said there should yeah. be supports in place for families to be able to help, you know, their daughters or their sons or their brothers or sisters or whoever they might be. Because I'm sure your family, Sarah, obviously had to deal with your addiction. I didn't realise that until I was sitting in the therapy room. Like, it was all about me, 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 me. It wasn't about anyone else but me. And I never realised the effect that I had. I'm my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters, and I'm grateful I still have them all in my life today. And when you, you think, when you think back of what you put them through, I suppose you look back at that now and think that there should be there should have been help and support and groups out there for them to go to to, to understand. Of course, you. there should have been. Of course, there should have been. And this thing about being brushed under the carpet, like if the families are having problems, like they need to deal with them. You know, you go down and, like, I remember my mother actually going down trying to get help for me. You know, and, like, it was just, it was horrible to see what she was going through. 
And oh. because the attic I am, I didn't want to know. I was coming and going and that, yeah. And were you, were you stealing from your family? Not my family. But you were but stealing. they hadn't got it. You were, but you were committing crimes to get money. No, I, I did everything that a woman shouldn't do. Yeah. I'm sorry you know? about that. No, I don't, I'm not sorry. Like, I have the experience. I'm grateful that I pulled through it. You know? Mm-hmm. But there's young girls out there and they'd be lucky if they see 20, 25. And how much you know? were you, I mean, at the height of it, Sarah, how much were you spending a week? Jeez, I wouldn't know. Because you you'd lost count of this. You just had no idea. It was just money. You was just handing it over. It was just money. You just, when you start copping on to what you're using, you end up buying in bulk. Yeah. You know? It is sad. I mean, it, it is, it's going to be a problem that's going to be with us for a long time. Just finally, in relation to what Patrick said earlier on, he believes that the answer to this is legalisation. Now, obviously, putting other steps in place as well to help people, but the legalisation of all drugs. It won't work. It won't work. You know, it's just people, addicts get greedy and they'll be looking for more, 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 more. And if they're not fighting over the drug, they'll be fighting over the money. You Sarah, what, what do you do now, Sarah? How are you getting on now? I'm doing well. I'm planning my wedding. I'm getting married now in July. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm delighted to hear that, Sarah. Yeah. And you've met, you met a wonderful person, obviously, and you're getting married. And Oh, I did. Yeah. How old are you? Can I ask you how old you are? I'm 48. You're only a young 49 one. 49 in July as well. You're a young one. I'm a young old one. Yeah. Well, look, I wish you the best of luck in the future, and I wish you well in your marriage as well, and I hope things go well for you. I hope you have a wonderful life together. Right, thanks a million. All right, well done to you, Sarah. All right, thanks very much indeed. All right, there's Sarah off uh, clean 20 years. We spoke to Peter as well, who's clean, I think, in around more or less the same time as well. And both of them believe that, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea, but there needs to be more supports in place as well. It's not just about going somewhere and taking a drug safely. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.